What's going on, everybody? Happy Monday. Ricker and Bond. Super cool episode. A lot of talk about finance, TV, a lot of Able. Really cool interview at the end. Matt Maximo, currently with Grayscale. Going to hear a lot about cool stuff, money, and VC. Bonjour. Also, happy Martin Luther King Day. If you are at work or going to work, what are you doing? <laughs> it's a holiday. All right. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy. Marvin Gaye when he's young. I'm looking at a picture at. I've never seen him young. Damn. He looks like that joke. What is it? I was gonna say no one's ever seen him old. Hey, uh, oh, shot okay. by his dad. <laughs> all right, all right. You seen that Family Guy joke? I feel like I have. Where his that he gave his dad a uh, a gift for Father's Day, and his dad was like, "Marvin, if this is another tie, I'm gonna kill you." Oh, uh, yeah, he killed yeah. him. He killed him. Poor taste. Poor there taste. is a uh, a comedian I saw a clip of, um, <laughs> and and it was it was like his special, but it was a kind of like an improv part that I think made it into the cut. And he was talking about um, the bit was about Alabama and the coach of Alabama in like the seventies, the first coach to uh, to not have just white people on the team. And it was in the 70s, and he's like, yeah, 70s is kind of late. And then uh, basically the gist is like, as long as the, <laughs> as long as the like football team's winning, that's all you need like to see. And then he was talking about Remember the Titans, which is like the improv bit. And he was like, <laughs> this, was, this was hundreds of years of this city being like, uh, no, got to have only white people on the team. And then uh, they see some winning, and they're like, oh, the high school team's 4-0? Those are my brothers. <laughs> wow. It's true. <laughs> it was a it was a great joke. I didn't Damn. I don't like to uh, take the punchline, but that was kind of the punchline. <laughs> I want to take some time to uh, remember a great man, uh, Mr. Bob Saget. Oh, he's dead. Who, that was weird. Lost, what yeah. wouldn't didn't have him in the Deadpool? Nah, he was literally he did a comedy show and then just went home and died. I watched. I, I was watching um, a Comedy Central roast of Bob Saget. And when Norm Macdonald was was doing it, oh no! And uh, it was uh, it was cool. I, di- I didn't get into Norm Macdonald until he died, but like, it's like a dry like comedian's humor. Everything you hear, like comments of like that's like he's trying to make like comedians laugh instead of the audience. Yeah, um, I like roasts. 
it's, it's, it's fun. But he was just, he was just, Norm is doing like super, you're supposed to do like raunchy stuff. And he went up and did like the anti of that, which is like meta funny for comedians. And I thought that was, thought that was nice. And at the end he was like, said a very heartfelt thing to Bob Saget. And now they're both dead. Damn, they're both chilling in heaven. Eh, or something else. Maybe not Norm. <laughs> what did Norm do? <laughs> Why Norm? Uh, I don't know. I don't think he was a Christian. <laughs> I think, I think, uh, I saw like a family guy clip of like, like the end times, like the end times were happening. Did you see that? It might've been newer. Um, I don't think so. It was funny. It was kind of like interesting. Yeah. But I'll say you ever watch full house. Yeah. Dude. Full house was my, like my jam jam. It was, it was on like when I was coming home, it was on 35 ABC family. Damn. I used to watch that shit on uh Nick at night. Yeah. That shit was classic. Well, not really a Nick at Night show for me. Nick at Night, you had The Fresh Prince. You had um, uh, George Lopez show. Oh, jeez. Uh, you, I started adding, adding some color to Nick at Night. <laughs> First it was Golden Girls, then Full House. <laughs> Never watched uh, Golden Girls, dude. But that's anyway, not sure. They watched that. They played Sanford and Son, I think. I, no, I that was watched... TV Land. That was TV Land, not Nick at Night. Yeah, I never watched Sanford and Sons. I used to watch TV Land when I was sick. I think TV Land was like 60, 64 on my TV. Yeah, I had cable. What of it? What of yeah, it, dog? I had cable too. Shit. Grew up nice, man. <laughs> I don't have to watch fucking PBS Kids. I can watch Nickelodeon. Hey, man, how's that work? You don't have cable? You plug in your TV? Is there, where's the, where the, where does, where does the like one through five channels come from? You got to still plug it into the wall somewhere, yeah? I don't know. Where do they come from? Though, I gotta ask an old person. Everybody has a satellite dish on their house, right? Or something. No. But like, <laughs> they don't have like those premium cable channels, direct TV dish. I ain't got no dish. You don't have a dish? Well, people don't have it anymore because all their shit's connected to the that internet. thing? Yeah. Huh. All their TVs are connected. And then, yeah, then, then I guess companies did have replacements for dishes. Everyone just had a dish? I guess so. Maybe not. I don't know. I wasn't there. Yeah. I was born in 1996. And I remember sometimes it would rain and the TV wouldn't work. Dude, 96 is going to be like, yo, you were born before 2000? Sick, bro. That's crazy. You you ever think about how we're just in the roaring 20s? (laughs) You know, there's just a raging pandemic in the 20s. And then we're going to be old. And I'm going to be like, yeah, in my 20s, I went through the pandemic in the 1920s. I saw the, the exponential gap of wealth get even more exponential. Yes. What happened however, in the 1920s too? However, I feel like there's there's kind of like a, like an opportunity with the internet to like. It's a little easier than the 1920s. The gap. Yeah. You don't have to pick up a shovel and go ditch, dig a ditch anymore to make. You got an iPhone. You could, you know. You can the, fucking take a dropshipping course. The, the, the bridge has never been dope, uh, doper than it has been now. So it's a really good bridge. I saw a thing. Some I'm sure girl it's is on by. track to retire by the time she's 15. I think I saw that. And I was like, okay, like, is this the did, new norm? Did you click it? Like, what's, what's good with her? I didn't click it, but. No one ever clicks them. Imagine if that's like the new thing for like the next couple of generations. Like super rich. Retirement age is like 40. Like it drops all the way down for like people that know how to use computers properly. Yeah. I think there's probably going to be more money problems in terms of like, you're going to need more like 26 million is now 
one million from what it was in the past. Like the 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 being a millionaire as being rich was like a an older twentieth century thing. It's mm. now basically the top contracts of like NBA players. So basically, like a million dollars is kind of like middle class right now. Oh, definitely. Um, I'm not gonna say like it's easy to make a million dollars, but it's probably easier than it's ever been. The the bridges are great. You got a, you got a phone. You can go to Starbucks. I I, I was. I watched a uh, Rick and Bond, everybody. Well, happy Monday. This Thanks for listening. Real. You're appreciated. I, I see you, hear you, and, you know, really. Feel you. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> really feel well, you. Um, I watched a, a short video of the economics of Starbucks, which is, I think, just talking about their, like, credit cards and people paying digitally. And they basically have, like, the 300th biggest bank in terms of money of like people uploading depositing money uh to buy starbucks later than all the banks in america god damn pretty crazy i was reading this thing about how target was just like well every store has this now this was written in like the early 2000s had like this like digital identity for everybody and they're one of the first stores to do it and they could predict like if you were pregnant before you even knew and people got freaked out so they kind of had to like water down their catalog and make it less creepy. What book is that? This book right here. Oh, one of the book books. The the power of habit. It's just okay. It has some yeah. cool stories, but like that's the so, yellow one with the red. I was yeah. those are that's one of the book books that I knew like in the past, but I I didn't like it. I didn't I didn't I wasn't compelled to it for some reason. I'll watch Oof. it one day. I don't like that it like. It's a lot of stories. I, I like the stories. Like I learned some uh, stuff about history, but it kind of make made big leaps to prove its point. Yeah. It, like tried to say like, oh, because he used the Montgomery bus boycott as an example. And it was saying that like back then there were when Rosa Parks like refused to go to the the back of the bus, like she wasn't the only one that did that. But why is it that when she did it, it sparked like a revolution across the country that made people band together? Because and... of storytelling in the future. What? Because of the way it's been branded in the future. Could be. Like I'm it's kind of a compelling story. It's, but... just, it's just like you know, word of mouth stories that has gone through time it gets a little jarbled up yeah i mean i don't i don't know what happened they didn't really have twitter back then but like this was like like it happened and then all of a sudden like all the black people got together and like yo let's not ride the buses and this was a time when word spread like really not that quick so to get like a bunch of cities doing it was crazy Especially the longer it went on to keep people like motivated to do it, especially when people started like getting arrested and shit. Uh, mm-hmm. It was, and its reasoning was because Rosa Parks was like really popular, really hot, well, really attractive. I don't know how old she was per se. She was popular in her community. She was popular. She had a lot of friends. Even white people liked her. The power of networking. Yeah, she was. A, she was a networking gal. <laughs> she was and so real big business part uh, miss miss parks when she went to jail like people cared about her yeah, so, yeah. that's cool yeah 
Like, yo, you can't throw. <laughs> it's like it's like Miss Miss Lady across the street. Like, you threw Miss Lady in prison, bro. That, that's her. That's actually the first. <laughs> Have you seen the Key, the Key and Peele uh, like Magic Black Person skit? Magic? No, I don't think so. It's like it's it's the trope of like uh, magic, like black people in like movies. And there's a skit. I think they say the old word, the old N word, but I don't want to say that because I don't know what's going on. Why not? It's, it's the the word after the N word in the oh, timeline of the N word. Oh. The Spanish word for black. The Spanish word for black. Oh, <laughs> Negro? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what, where I stand, where I don't stand, you know? Just get yeah. out of here. Imagine, like, how ruthless you would have been to me. It was just <laughs> 100 years ago. In this, 90, per, 80, in this particular shirt, too. <laughs> like, I could literally just be walking down the street. And then oh, yeah. you could just say, uh, be like, hey, that guy touched my daughter. Yeah. And then they would just burn down my house and yeah, yeah, dude. lynch me. But then the high school team went 4-0. Oh, well, <laughs> that's, 50, that's, that's 50 years later. Well, you know, high school team goes 4-0. Dude. You got to you gotta really put your priorities in. Dude, speaking of high school team, I was watching Shay Carl. I watched a oh. Shay Carl vlog because he was in the Twitter space and I saw ShayCarl.eth. Is the family still together? It's still together. You know, the, the power of uh, old religions really uh, really keeps you together. <laughs> Do you think she was like, Shay, you got to let me fuck Tyrone since you tried to cheat on me and then we'll be even? There had to be one bargaining chip. Do you think they got canceling? Probably in the church. Like, like they got canceled and so they got back oh, together? No, sorry, counseling. Oh, maybe. Probably. You think I'm, I'm sure they need it if they didn't have it before. Jesus, man, the first vlog family, basically. Yeah. Damn. And like trying to run the company and it didn't work. And then you did something weird and you already have like alcoholism and you're Mormon. Yeah. Like, it, you need some therapy, probably. Their kids were drinking soda. I saw. That's not good. It's not Mormon. Damn. At least they're debt free. Well, they were. <laughs> they, were really, <laughs> they were really down with, with Ramsey, dude. They loathe Ramsey. They're, they're like, yo, dude, cutting these credit cards, baby. We were in debt, <laughs> making a YouTube business. The, the the youngest kid had a freaking low voice, and I was like, whoa. The youngest kid? No, the oldest son. How old? He has to be like 18. He's, now, he's right? 18. Damn. He was doing it. It was weird because I. Oh, what up? Yeah, dude, that's what it was. And he was all fat and acne. Shout out, uh, you know, Shay Tars. No, no, no shade. It's okay. He'll trim down. He'll trim that down. His dad Hopefully. did it, but you know it's really in your it's it's in your genes. You gotta want it. Here's the thing. Okay, I have a I have a a, a thing yeah. about that. Did you say like fatness is in your genes? Being fat. I, I read it, bro. I read a thing, uh, and I've I've heard it before, and but it it, it passes down uh, genetically. I heard a doctor say. I, I read it, bro. <laughs> I heard a doctor say that it's not in your genes. Eating habits are just passed down. Because, um, like, obesity is like kind of new. It started when we started in taking fast food in like the fifties. Like in the twenties, people weren't fat, or it was very, very rare. Sure. So, like, how could something like that's only been around for a couple generations be morphed into your genetics? I don't know. I, I there was a a snippet that I actually had copied into my notes, but then I deleted. I was talking about it, but 
right now from the 10 to 20 sentences I've read about uh, things being passed down through biology, I'm on the side where it can be. Really? I think but, it's just, oh, my, my mom's a fat fuck and she's always eating McDonald's and I only eat what she buys me. So I'm going to eat sure. McDonald's too until I can. That I do think is very, without much research, I think that's pretty plausible. Quite yeah. plausible. Um, what's going on in life, man? Any headlines, any things you see that are cool? Uh, let me think. What just you been, been up to? Just been thinking about Bob Saget all week. That's what I've been up to. <laughs> so sad, dude. He wasn't even that old. Yeah, 65. that was, was P lame. Uh, I was kind of like thinking that I was watching some full house clips. There was a, a lot of like racism, kid kissing in that show. Mm, I see it. Like, you know how they have to play like the fatherly figure. But I'm just like, dude, that's like not your kid, you know? Oh, for like son to or kids to father yeah like on the lips i'm just like dude i'm just like what if that was like my kid like acting like yeah i was showing up to the set here's my infant daughter yeah yeah go kiss that grown-ass man you know olsen's baby that was a different time for sure but and people mouth kiss you know not big mouth i I never seen the uh the family mouth kissing before than uh, a few years ago and uh it caught me by surprise. I didn't know that was a thing. It definitely. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, wait. What was the what was the relation? Just like, either like a. I think like, like I saw like a son uh, son to father one time, father to daughter one time. Twenty year old. Fa- <laughs> <laughs> it was it was someone's stepdad and, and, and a twenty five year old. And I was like, wait, dude, what? I remember I I used to kiss my dad on the lips until I was like maybe three or four, and then he was yeah. like, "Yo, he missed me with that gay shit." <laughs> I can I was see like, that. Papa. I didn't know that existed. What I, I think what I saw the first time was a wrestler go to like the the like stands and is like you know like five six year old and then a kiss on the lip and uh, yeah. yeah, fuck. Yeah. I think that Who that, was that it? no a different wrestler. Who what? I think it was like Floyd Mayweather, like <laughs> was kissing his daughter on the lips or something, and someone was like, "Ew, don't be doing that to your daughter." Yeah, and he was like, "It was my fucking baby. I don't give a fuck." I think it was the game. <laughs> It's the game he said that. It's it's vaguely remember, uh, reminiscent of memory. I have. At what age do you think that's that you think that's not cool? Probably like second, third, like like third, fourth grade is is like kind of different than like first, second grade. I had some friends in high school that did that to their dad. Still, that was weird. It's a little old. It's pretty disgusting. I mean, I don't know if it's disgusting. <laughs> It's like they were like, like I wouldn't. <laughs> what, if, what if they were down to kiss their father, but like, like not their mother? <laughs> like, Get like some their, their mom like kissed him on the cheek, and they're like, "Ew, wow, don't, dude, I'm in middle school, and I need freaking a little peck on the peck on the mouth." His mom's like, "Can I get a kiss too?" And they're like, "No." <laughs> like, grow up, mom. Grow up, mom. That shit's weird. <laughs> and he says, "Bye, bro," to his dad, and then kisses. <laughs> Dog. Slap on the ass. <laughs> the game would do that, bro. The game's just a little like a little teddy bear. Oh. Um, <clears throat> Martin Shkreli ordered to return sixty-four million dollars. Is barred from the do- drug industry. Does he have that? 
I don't know, but he must return $64.6 million in profits. He and his former company reaped from jacking up the price and monopolizing the market for a life-saving drug, which is really something to do. Jesus, dude. A federal judge ruled Friday while also barring the provocative in prison ex-CEO from the pharmaceutical industry for the rest of his life. Vieira. 135-page opinion. Opinions are long to write. Damn, that's a lot of writing. Shirley was CEO of Turing Pharmaceutical, which is kind of funny. Later, Vieira when it raised the price of Darapim from $13 to $50 to $750 per pill Damn. after obtaining exclusive rights to the decades-old drug in 2015. It treats um, pregnant women, cancer patients, and AIDS. Damn. Do you think... Fudged up. They're just in like a horrible position as a company? And they're like, yo, we need money. You think they still have that money? Didn't he like buy an album? He bought the, like, Wu- the the one a physical NFT of the the Wu Tang album, if you will. Is he a sadist? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, per- perhaps I don't know if that's is it sadist. I don't S- know. Sadistic is the could, is the adjective. Could be. I could be mistaken. But I don't know what you're trying to say. Someone that loves watching the world burn. Is he a joker? I think people did actually make that meme. Viera and its parent company, Phoenixus AG, settled last month agreeing to provide up to $40 million in relief over 10 years to consumers and to make Darapim available to any potential generic competitor at the cost of producing the drug. Former Viera CEO Kevin Maliti agreed to pay $250,000 if he violates the settlement, which is nothing at all, which barred him from working for a pharmaceutical company for seven years. Damn. He's the current? No, he's the parent company CEO. Interesting. Martin Screlly, yeah. So what is the price of that drug now? Can I grab some? If you have AIDS, it might be back to the the thirteen fifty price. Treats a rare parasitic disease that strikes pregnant women, cancer patients, and AIDS patients. It's trash. That's weird. A parasitic disease that only goes towards cancer, pregnant women, and AIDS? It what just sniffs. Of? It just sniffs as if it has any of those diseases. That's yes, weird. I'm saying pregnancy is a disease. <laughs> <laughs> you think about it, there's a thing living in you that's just like feeding off of you. It is quite parasitic. Yes. I saw a tweet that was like, how come uh, on Mars... Um, Bacteria is considered life, but on Earth, a human's heartbeat isn't. <laughs> uh, and I was like, whoa! <laughs> Rebuttal! <laughs> uh, I, I would probably say, because we got a lot more life here. <laughs> we got too much life. It's a, it's really it's really supply and demand. Yeah. Uh, you, you go into Mars, there's almost no life. You go to Earth, there's a whole lot of life. So you, you really uh, put it down a little bit. Yeah, gosh. Mr. Musk was like, that. yo, we need more people. We need to go to Mars. Which was, which was interesting. He was like, yo, <laughs> he was like, yo, we need one hella more people, get more babies also. I got to get to Mars. 
That's funny because Jeff Bezos was like, we need less people. Like we're going to go into stasis soon where there's not enough resources to like feed everybody. And also not enough energy to like keep everyone warm. On the surface, I trust Musk a little more from whatever he's branded for me to uh, talk about resources. But I don't know. Amazon's pretty supply. They're both like. Who would you trust more for Earth, um, Earth, Earth life expectancy? Well, you have to pick one. I feel like Elon Musk is like. Well, I don't know. Like they're both like smart. Yeah, they're engineers. The thing. But well, Jeff Bezos isn't an engineer. He's just a really smart business guy. Are you sure? Yeah, his job Positive. before Amazon was uh, Wall Street. Positive. Positive. I believe you. And, um, but I think he is the smartest engineers in the world around him. They Cast probably should do. But Elon Musk is an engineer himself. But it's true. that doesn't mean he's like. We, we, uh, we had a big old segment about engineers last time. They're dumb. <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Why do you study engineering? Such a waste of money. Well, studies, did your studies instead. Imagine going up to an engineering student and just like talking down on it. Yeah, you know those those memes about talking down to like like a like a Wall Street bro or something. Yeah, be like go up to an engineering student. You're like, what are you doing? Engineering? What are you doing that for? Like, what are you gonna make on. stuff? When you get serious you about your life, <laughs> tangible things for the society. Why don't you work on that album? <laughs> <laughs> Have you even made six beats today? My like, dog, on. like Kanye West made five beats a day for five summers, bro. You're slacking. You know, rest in peace, Virgil, man. Come on. Damn, rest in peace, Virgil, bro. Okay, I just got to say, dude, I really feel for Kanye West, man. I Like, he's going through the divorce. Imagine, okay, imagine you're going through a divorce. Yeah. That's, that's bad enough. Mom's right? dead. Mom's dead. Your father never been in the public zeitgeist. You're, you're, you have, well, how many kids do you have? Four or five? A lot Too of much. kids. And your wife, your ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, is just flaunting this guy that's 20 years younger than you. Whatever chance she gets. Who is it right now? Pete Davidson. Uh, and you're just like, she's a damn a quick like, cycle, bro. I'm sure uh, like, I mean, that was a long uh, stretch publicly, publicly faithful to Kanye, you know? I heard this. Uh, Prenup, right? I'm not sure. They both have over a billion. So Kardashian is probably the one to be like, yo, we, you can assign this prenup. Shout out um, to uh, Tyler, the creator on the weekend album. He was probably like, Kanye was probably like, nah, I love you, Kim. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm never going to sign a prenup. <laughs> I trust you with my I life. I trust you. No, this is God's love right here. <laughs> like Jesus didn't sign no prenup. God's holy matrimony right here. Like, what do you think this is, Kim? Like, uh, this is faith binding. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, so poor guy, he's really going through it. What, uh, what was the uh, that battery case? Did you look into that at all? Yeah, so apparently... Um, some he was at a club in downtown right over here called Soho, super exclusive, according to my friend. And some guy just came up to him asking for like an autograph or something. And Connor yeah. was like, Can't you see I'm going through a divorce or something? And like punched him in the nose. Uh, so I'll probably have to deal with that later. But classic beaver situation first Little. Coachella, <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, he has to do Coachella, yeah. He's doing Coachella, Billie Eilish, and Harry Styles are the headlining acts, yes. Harry went on like a like a wild tour, like yeah, like I saw like footage of that a lot. 
He's pretty famous. Yeah. A little too British to be my famous. British. And he didn't sound super good. I, I don't really like his music. I haven't listened to like any songs, but like he's he's like hitting like Queen level. Yeah, I think he's level. like I don't like uh this is the thing I don't like about the weekend anymore. Like the 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 stars a lot of the stars today are just trying to like do something that's already been done. I feel like I think the weekend hasn't had done that stuff. Or like uh, cycling back to older people. Yeah, it's just like sometimes <clears> it's like I'm just like, bro, this is Michael Jackson. Like, Sacrifice, great song, but it's fucking Michael Jackson. Um, fucking, I look at Harry Styles, I'm like, all right, Elton John, Queen. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we get it, you're British. Like, Cycles, you know? Fucking, I mean, uh, who's someone that's like kind of doing their own thing? Something. Kanye West, Drake, in my opinion. Are kind of I like mean, paving Drake. their. They have like their own style. I would say Drake. Isn't he known for like melding other people's forms? Yeah, but he makes like a it freak his chameleon. Uh, did you see that the uh, that remix version of Sacrifice video? No. The uh, it was a a Swedish house mafia remix of Sacrifice video, and it was like not a uh, not like a extravagant music video it was like a it was first of all literally <laughs> i'm surprised you, you're not saying what you said because you saw that video because it's literally a reprise on uh the billy jean music video of of lights and thriller. oh was that the one where he was like dancing on yeah. the oh like, i did see that i thought that was fake i thought a fan made that or something no it was just a, a remix version of like uh it was like an alternate world uh non-weekend character music video Oh yeah, fuck that. Because it was like a thing, like because he always has these like intricate, like character-driven stories and stuff. And this was like like a music video that you see Michael Jackson doing. And so I'm pretty sure that he knows he's doing Michael Jackson because he literally did Michael Jackson. It was like Thriller and Ball, <laughs> Thriller and Billie Jean, and also like Ballroom Vogue dancing, which isn't really Michael Jackson, but it was cool. Damn, dude, that sucks. I can't believe. Okay, P- Peter from Norway. I can't believe that people think. After Hours is like a top-notch weekend album. I'm surprised. You can't believe that? Yeah. Why Why can't you? I did, I, it was because it was an intricate listen. It was like a book. Well. It's like listening to a Pink Floyd album. Well, I mean, like people listen to that. They're like, oh, Blinded Lights. That's like cool. two songs. I also haven't like listened to it. And I, I don't haven't listened to Hella Hella stuff back in the. It's not like, I don't think it's like as intricate as the recent album or some of his older stuff like Kissland. It was a it was a more modern Kisslandy. Which is intricate. Uh, I don't know. Cause I, there's like so many pop songs on there. If, if you listen to that without any visuals at all, like let's say there was no face to it, would you still think it's interesting? intricate where you'd be like all right these, these are good pop songs from what i remember I, i'm basically making like a vague memory in my mind because i haven't listened to it since like la uh but from what i remember it like with no music videos i was like this is a a, a deep listen damn i wonder if he's serious about this whole trilogy thing what do you mean serious <laughs> Do you think he's like from the beginning of After Hours? He's like, I want to make a trilogy, or do you think I wouldn't like, be surprised if he was like, Yo, I'm going to make these three 
albums very comp- complimentary because we had the i mean it sounded complimentary when we when we heard it it was like yeah this sounds like it could have been after hours yeah i thought this should have been before after hours sounds like it should have been after i could see that i think some songs could have just been on after hours the story Maybe I just think, make the whole the whole album on after hours it'd be cooler it sounded like this one should have been like if, if the story is like uh you're partying at night and then you, you know the sun's coming up and you're like crash um and that's like the second thing and then the third one's like you afterlife or something this uh dawn sounded like it should have been uh, the first thing after hours sounded more like solemn in my memory dang Shout out to everybody who, dude, some of those uh, behind the scenes music video stuff, you peep any of that? Like ExoVision video? Yeah. Super dope. You'd be going hard on the video. He was like, yo, I can't tour. I'm just like three videos of every video. Uh, I hope he gets to tour this album. And also, is it going to be an after hours tour or this tour or both? Probably, you know, but the. Does he usually do full albums? Yes. Like on on stage? Yes, but how long are concerts? Two hours? Or an hour? Uh, You could probably squeeze both albums in there. Does he have intro acts? Yeah. What do you have in the past? When I went, he had, I think it was like Race Rimmered and Belly or something. But he's had like Six Lack, Bryson Tiller, Travis Scott back in the day. Bryson would be freaking, that's a, that's a, a low mood atmosphere. Travis Scott would have been wild. Right before the weekend. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like when you said Ray Stremmer, I was like, that's kind of a weird mix. But then like the weekend's kind of a low vibe, like attitude. So I, I get like you don't want people being like bored with the intro act. Who else did he have? I don't know. The Eilish is too big. Billy Eilish, way too big for that. That'd be a good show. That'd be dope. I feel like actually, <laughs> I don't know because um, there was a point in time when the weekend was supposed to open for Rihanna. That'd be cool. So maybe a Rihanna show is cool. I'd imagine they are. Yeah, but you know, no, the weekend can't be open for anyone anymore. Those days are over. I mean, big big concert. Lollapalooza type joint. Gotta be the headliner. How many listeners does Billy Eilish have per month? Probably not more than Selena Gomez on Spotify. Jesus Christ. So Billy Eilish struggling 49 million. Okay. <laughs> the weekend is rocking. 83 million. And Selena Gomez. 123. 14 billion. <laughs> Wait, it went from 83 million to 14 billion? Oh, you're nah, joking. Nah, you're joking. 34 million. Okay. So 83 for a bell? Yes. But he's still not beating Justin Bieber with, with, with 89 million. But close. Jeez, Justin. What a run <laughs> so you got. Listens. What a run. Oh man, Justin's been around since like too long, <laughs> a lot, a while. What's he up to, man? Is uh, is he still managed by good old Scooty? I think so. 
Jeez. Scooter You're really Epsteining his, his finances, eh? Dude, Justin Bieber is probably just so, like, tired of it. 8% in Amazon. Can't go anywhere. Can't believe homie didn't have a... Uh, we have an interview at the end of this, and I wanted some freaking prediction code. I want predicted pi- predictive Python code. Why don't you make it? I wanted to be given it. <laughs> uh, oh, dun, 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 dun. I was born in the city. Winter nights don't ever sleep, you know? So can we What's get your... the next album, please? I'm already over this one. Go on, chill. I kind of am. Like I'm, I've actually had it pretty stuck in my head, but like I said, I'm not really... I really don't listen to hella, hella music anymore. Really? Yeah. Do you take walks? I do, but that is like the only time I would listen to music. Uh, I try to take walks in the morning, but those are like uh, supposed to be non-plugged in walks. But I might uh, transfer one off, one on for making like an audio book. Oh, I was going to ask you, did you see Spider-Man? I have not. Was it cool? It was cool. I think you would enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoyed the trailer a lot. It was it was quite. I think I think you should see it in theaters if you can. Okay, okay. probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see it like twenty sixty when it's like a vintage movie. Like, yo, this shit is banging, bro. Dude, they like it was just like a fucking IP. It yeah, yeah. Like they went crazy. They're like, how much shit can we put in this shit? Space <laughs> Jam. Because they're going into like multiverse right now, aren't they? Yeah. So they're they're trying to, because don't they have X Men right now? Marvel. I don't think they have X. Wait, they or might. Fan, or it's Fan Fox. Four, Fantastic Four. I think they have new cats that they're they're like uh, trying to work they, in. It's I someone. It's someone X-Men. that they had um, before. Because I, I think mutants and stuff have been trying to been like walked in. Did you ever I see think, Wandavision stuff? No. Do you know her lore? I haven't. I saw. I saw. As, as you do like a, a 16 minute YouTube overview of the series. And it was pretty interesting. Apparently there's shit in this movie that like you only get if you've seen the shows, the Disney plus shows. Mm, like Loki, WandaVision and, and like some Hawkeye other stuff. and shit. Hawkeye. Yeah. Man, proud family, Disney plus. Damn, they brought it back. I saw that. A series. I thought it was a, maybe a movie at first, but it was like a, it might be a limited series, but popped up on my on a youtube ad and i was like yo same uh yeah i was reading they were bringing it back a while ago nostalgia i'm not sure it sounded the same animation looks a little different it was it's more like a like cartoon movie yeah which i never know what's the difference between that it's like more shadows i don't know but i remember the spongebob movie when that came out like i really liked the animation on that one the uh, first one, the first movie. I think it's more shadows, a little more depth, maybe a little more um, writing in the background. <laughs> Take more time on the colors. Mm-hmm. Proud family, dude. Proud family. I hope the theme song's still the same, but I know it's not. It is. It was in is the it? thing, and they like at the end they kind of like or like made sure people know. Destiny's Child. Yeah. The proud. Family, you and me will never probably. I mean, you'd have to put it up against other sitcom intro songs, but 
Um, I know it's a 2000s thing too, but like that's a, that's a top three intro. For real. Family Matters is cool. Shout out. I'd probably, I'd probably have to, I mean like George Lopez, Family Matters, Full House. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Bonjen. I Live love Sydney. the Red Hot Chili Peppers. I don't really. <laughs> not for like, 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 I'm kind of a poser. I only know them from uh, Guitar Hero. Frushanti had a cool album. Unfortunately. Rick and Bond, everybody. Happy Monday. Another episode. Uh, we got a cool guest, Matt Maximo. How you doing, sir? Good, guys. Thanks for having me. No problemo. No problem. Um, thanks everybody for listening. We got a really interesting uh interview today. Um, Matt Maximo of Grayscale, uh, which is a crypto asset manager with 43.5 billion dollars in assets. Well, that tree did it go up since then? You know, do you know, you know the cap off top, Max? <laughs> Uh, I think it's around 39 since the market dropped a little bit, but it, oh, it really? bounces between like 39 and 50 every few weeks. Can you give people a, a brief intro of you, how you got to today, uh, where you've been, what you think you're going to do? Yeah, so I, uh, I got into crypto. I used to be a big gamer when I was growing up, and um, my friend and I were always scheming on how to like, uh, like World of Warcraft and things right, without having to go ask our parents. And um, it was eighth grade summer. My friend comes to me. He's like, hey, there's this new thing called Bitcoin. We just set up our computers at night, and then we can buy game time with it. So I'm like, all right. Uh, we did that every night. We'd set up our laptops. We would mine. Um, you know, I kind of forgot about that Bitcoin. I think I spent some on like a Club Penguin membership for my sister, and then you know forgot about what it was for the next five ish years. Um, so fast forward to like college. Um, you know, I'm working at a venture capital firm, and um, I'm starting to hear about crypto again, and it's you know familiar enough, so it piques my interest. And I hear. Um, and I hear that they invested in a couple crypto startups. So my goal there was, all right, cool. I'm into crypto. I think it's kind of cool. I'm going to scheme so that these people hire me. Um, and so I started learning about crypto in my free time, chilling at the desk, talking those guys up. And, um, uh, I didn't end up working for them. I ended up doing my own little, little startup trying to do tickets as NFTs, um, but packed that up with COVID and then, um, you know, left to do some tech consulting, um, was still kind of interested in crypto the whole time, you know, on Twitter, on whatever it is. Um, my friends and I started running an indexer for the graph just as like a little side project for fun. And then Shout out the graph. I saw Grayscale was hiring. I uh, reached out and, you know, here we are. So talk about uh, the, the VC. What, what year did you work for a VC company? Uh, 2017 to 2019. And that was kind of out of college you said yeah so i was i was interning during college um there so um yeah it was cool got a lot of cool exposure got a lot of, got to meet a lot of people learned a lot of things um but yeah it was a cool experience thank you for mentioning club penguin because in my opinion that was peak internet 
Um, God, what a time. <laughs> um, the, sorry, go for it, Ricker. I was going to say, uh, the beginning of my crypto stuff was also like, not investment based. I was like, I was using Bitcoin allegedly for like sports gambling. I didn't have like an investment mindset. And so I was just doing like $20 bets of like 0.05 in like 2017. And then, you know, kind of same thing where I kind of like didn't think about it for a few years until like yeah. 21, 20. <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know. I mean, a big reason I got into Bitcoin, or I got back into Bitcoin was when we had to send the money over as crypto. It was either crypto or Western Union. Western Union charged crazy fees. Bitcoin was like three bucks. And so what I did is I bought Bitcoin, I bought like two, three hundred dollars. By the time I sent the money, Bitcoin had gone up like 50 bucks. So like, cool, I just made 50 bucks, whatever. This is interesting. Had a little bit of Bitcoin left and that's kind of, you know, what piqued my interest again too. So also yeah, a, lot of, a lot of avenues to get into crypto. It's either, you know, virtual 2008 worlds of penguins, sports gambling <laughs> or alleged activities. Exactly. What was the... Um, uh, timeline after the well, did you were you into business going up to college i mean you kind of said you interned for a vc company um was that kind of like a new thing or were you kind of conditioned business through a kid in in uh-huh. high school and college or not that was kind of a new thing so i was studying biology i wanted to be a dentist um and you know like junior year i took i, I took organic chemistry once i took organic chemistry i was like listen guys i'm not sticking around for another eight years it's just not happening so i uh i finished the degree but i just started taking like comp sci classes and um spent most of my time focusing on that taking startup um while working at the vc firm so um yeah i just studied biology don't know how i ended up here but you know it, it actually that's that's actually an interesting point though because because you know we're hiring we're, we're hiring right now for a research position and the whole industry is hiring for a ton of jobs whether it's engineering related or not and um you know i think a lot of people trying to break into the space have you know some some fears or whatever of not having the qualifications and, and honestly most people aren't qualified that try and come into crypto it's, it's very rare to find someone anyone with years of crypto experience and let's be honest most of the time that crypto experience isn't super legit right it's it's like oh i i did something that this company did something related to crypto. right it's kind of embellishment which is you know typical in resumes um but the point is that like it, you got to look beyond that like so so it took me a little bit to realize that me spending four years learning biology was actually super helpful for a research job because as a biology student you spend all day in lab creating data running experiments and then you get that data in an excel sheet and you make charts and you have to pull insights from those charts, and then you got to write reports on those charts, which is basically what we do as researchers, right? I, I look at the data available to me. I look at the trends, what's going on. I, I have a couple ideas. I test those out with some of the data, chart it, see what see what it looks like, and then, you know, I write some insights based on what I what I picked up. So, um, you know, it's just one example from biology, but um, yeah, I just think I think I think really what it is is just like interest. In, in that sense, not to go too deep on the rabbit hole, I guess, but like for people trying to get into crypto, it's really just like, are you interested? Are you, do you have like that curiosity? Um, are you like involved on Twitter or LinkedIn or whatever it is, right? Just showing that like, it's, it's, it's like actually like an interest or a passion, um, which I think was, was helpful for me just, just in most of the things that I tried to do. Yeah. I think finance is very uh, data science basically. Um, and then, you know, coming from actually coming from like, studying like nature and like 
biology and like organisms and things mm. i think is probably an edge for a lot of people who are like getting into like finance i think there's a lot of correlations between like nature cycles and and money stuff yeah um it's, but, it's a similar thought process like way of thinking yeah can you talk talk about research in general what do you what do you what's your like day-to-day at what are you researching what's your what's kind of your beat at grayscale anything and everything um you know my job at grayscale is probably one of the coolest out there i um you know there's tons of knowledgeable people in the company like we have probably like the best lawyers and the best finance guys like honestly these guys are just so smart um but like as as the researcher at grayscale like i have the coolest job ever i just get to research anything and everything i want and i get to be like that crypto resource expert um and uh yeah i mean like my day-to-day i'll wake up i'll, I'll scroll through twitter as as everyone does and read the newsletters that i get in the in my inbox and then um you know it's it's i guess it's just a mix of like poking around our data sources looking at some charts seeing what's going on in the markets and then um you know i guess trying to be creative with that um, so do like teams come to you and be like hey explain this to us yeah yeah so i'll, I'll do i'll do like like crypto teachings or just like chat and learns uh, every week or so um, where people only come, we'll just like chit chat and talk about NFTs or, um, Jack Dorsey and his, his crusade against VCs and, you know, anything that kind of comes up. How would you explain, uh, the metaverse to a beginner? Someone that's just like, doesn't get it. Um, ooh, that's a tough one. Yeah. So the metaverse is, is basically just. It, it, the metaverse is like where digital experiences take place. I think that's kind of a phrase we've been using a lot as a, as a company. Um, and, and what that means is just, I'm, I'm a person in my daily life. I want to go do something, play video games, listen to music, something that involves a digital activity, like a digital medium. And I go use it. Right. So, so to that point, we have a metaverse right now, like the metaverse exists. World of Warcraft is a metaverse in itself. Club Penguin was a metaverse. They just suck. Right. So, so this, this whole like concept of metaverse today that we hear about, like, like the, you know, the popular term is, is, is more forward looking. It's, it's like the digital worlds or games or experiences that we have, but in the future, and, and it's meant to mimic things that we have right now. So like, if I show up to a meeting or I log into a game right now, those items, I, I don't own, I have no say over them really. Um, but maybe the idea is I log into my zoom meeting or I log into my game and now I own that like sword or that shirt that I'm wearing which makes it feel more realistic, right? Like I go to my meeting in, at, at Grayscale in person and I'm wearing my clothes. And if someone tries to steal my clothes, there's the government that enforces that. But in the digital world, that doesn't really exist. So I think the idea is just, you know, integrating that. So when I go to these digital experiences, I own the stuff. And now the government that's enforcing that I own the stuff is the blockchain, right? Um, so, you know, long way to go. Um, I guess it's kind of a longer answer too. Um, but that was good. That was, yeah. <laughs> That was but yeah, it's 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 just it's a weird concept. Um, They've branded the internet as a thing, as a product. <laughs> it, yeah, the, the internet that has been going on for a while, the sans digital ownership has been yes. the metaphor. <laughs> but in the future, you know, AR, XR, VR, cool stuff. I can see in front of me without classes. Yeah. So, hey, I think uh, what's his name, Sean Curry, the pretty famous guy on Twitter. He had a great little thread that was like, you know, the metaverse is, isn't really anything. It's, it's a time, it's time period. It's, 
it's you know the the next 10 20 years when when you know these digital experiences become a little more authentic in in whatever way that 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 manifests itself right yeah true what are your thoughts on traditional finance in the future going into more defi um i mean i think it'll become blended yeah. in the future i think the only reason right now it's not and it's so f- separated is just regulation uh regulatory reasons um because there's a lot i mean there's a lot of great things that crypto has has drawn from traditional finance in terms of like market structures products businesses right like uniswap compound those are nothing new those are just rebuilt systems that we have centralized centrally um but then the flip can also be said so like a lot of these centralized companies can can learn from these DeFi platforms or actually just like like benefit from them i mean how many employees could coinbase i guess you cut and that sounds bad but like how much more efficient i guess could coinbase be if they had a lot of their protocols running like like look at ftx versus coinbase ftx has a i think like a hybrid on-chain infrastructure um that essentially allows them to have real-time data real-time settlement and and provide data for free right and i think they have like four engineers in total like and these dudes are are just i i want to meet i want like a documentary on these guys because they must be the most insane engineers ever like they're they're putting out so much building so much do like creating so many good features so quickly and it's it's absurd with with like such a small team and i think the point is that that leveraging some of these like open networks um you know secure networks can actually help a lot i mean like look at banks right like bitcoin versus banks the only reason banks have so many employees and there are so many regulatory bodies around them and it's so cumbersome is because it's just a CSV in their database that anyone, like I can go get myself a billion dollars if I wanted to at JP Morgan or at Jace, right? Um, and so you have to have all these regu- regulations around it to protect that. But, mm. you know, with crypto, with decentralized open networks, like you, you don't, you can be much more efficient. And so that leaves room for employees or people, you know, like to cut employees to go do something cool. Um, there's this there's this book by um, Jeremy Rifkin. He's uh, like an economist. Um, he says that that human pr- productivity peaked in 1997 ish, which is to say that like all these apps on the iPhones and whatever that come out for like productivity really really don't help you much. Um, and and I think cryptos is a great way to like push us push us beyond that. I mean, you look at like Uniswap. Uniswap Labs is doing more volume than Coinbase. Sometimes they have like what 20 employees. Um, you know, I think it's just the nature of nature and nature of how efficient these systems can be. So it's really exciting. Okay. I'm trying to understand this. So because Coinbase is kind of pretty centralized, that's why it has, has to have so many employees for like security reasons. Yeah. I mean, all of their order books are, are just a database, probably AWS, which means like, so, so yeah. Okay. So, so the reason Coinbase can do like free trades, right. Or, 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 you know, offset ETH fees or not have to charge you ETH fees is because if I go buy ETH and sell ETH and swap it for Bitcoin or do whatever in the Coinbase app, none of that happens on chain. That just happens in their own database, which is free and you know it makes sense to do it that way. But it's their own ledger. Um, and so because of that, they have to have not, not only do they have to have employees around that control systems, reporting audits, but then they have to have other companies and other regulatory agencies and everything checking on that. 
right? Whereas Uniswap is just a development company that builds a protocol and then the protocol deploys on chain and they're done with it. The, the protocol on chain processes the data, deals with it, with it, employee or users and everything. But ultimately like Uniswap labs isn't processing that data or holding it. They're just deploying the code that understands that data. Mm. Right. So the, so, so Uniswap app doesn't feed data back to a, to a database that the guys at Uniswap can just search, export, whatever. Right? That doesn't happen. Whereas at Coinbase, everything that we do dumps into an Excel sheet on their back end, more or less. I see. So we are really seeing the efficiency of the computer of, of computer power kind of overtake yeah. overtake. It's systems. like it's like trustless data and immutable data or immutability, which makes the data trustless, right? Which is a lot of big big buzzwords, but you don't you don't have to have humans watching over things when you have yeah. code watching over things yeah it's like if we pulled money together right and then we just gave it all to john like like you and i are probably going to want to like be like yo like john like how's the how's the money pile doing right and like those are checks that we got to do as opposed to just having a system that we all trust that keeps track of every transaction we do which is bitcoin there's a analogy that i think gavin wood had about where web <laughs> went wrong or what it out outdid itself for was where you know in the past you had little villages and humans had to uh have checks and balances if you make like uh, bad trades then you get run out of town so people are scared of doing bad trades um and then you know you had institutions come in where they regulate those bad trades um and then you're supposed to trust those institutions and you kind of see that next wave of well institutions are a little bit inefficient as we go into the future and we can make things a lot more efficient if we build things with computer technology. Yeah, exactly. I mean, then you then you like if you even look at who's working at these institutions, whether it's like a government institution or like a big four audit company. All the big any work done at a big four company, especially like auditors, is all done by like entry level 22 to 25 year olds, right, which are fresh out of college, but they're the analysts doing the work. And then on the flip side, it's just normal people at like the SEC, right? So. So like these institutions, you're supposed to trust them. But also if you look, it's just normal people. Yeah. So a lot of people yeah. haven't seen, I think that's where maybe VC areas or, you know, even financial areas of, of work and like study, once you kind of get behind the doors of what is supposed to be like, Hey, these are big things that you don't understand and, and you don't have to, because we got it. So everything's cool. It gives a little bit of peace for like the rest of society. And then when you kind of go behind and see like these are people just making things, even if it is a little tech based or hard, then you're like, hey, what's are you guys good? Can you guys do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah I, at least for like, I think for me, I had this impression that all of these you know, agencies, big name, whatever, were like super strict, had, had reasons for everything. Nah, you just kind of do stuff to see if it works. That's it. Which is, which I think is why, like you know, decentralized protocols are great because you abstract all of the trust and ambiguity, and you just write it in code. Like, like the, the simplest way. I don't know if you guys know how to code, but when I learned how to code, for me, it was like it was like eye opening because it was like, okay, you you essentially tell like a, a three year old how to accomplish a task. Like, walk to the kitchen, open the cabinet grab the, 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 the paper towels, grab the, the, the spray bottle spray, right? Like you have to say every single step, but once you say every single step, it's, it's good. Like you just, you just press play and keep doing it. Um, when did you I start, think, get, when did you start getting into code? 
um, college. I, I finished my like biology degree a little bit early. So I just finished all my requirements with, with coding classes. It was only like two or three. Um, but yeah. Um, um, go for it. What are you coding now? What would you suggest uh, for people if they didn't know how to code going in the future? What, what, what should they learn? I would just say Python because it's, it's pretty easy. It's, it's basically a calculator that understands words. Um, and then it's fun. Like, like for me, I think what was super great was coming from like biology. I, I would spend 12 hours a day studying organic chemistry and making molecules. Right. Which then I go home and I'm like, all right, that sucked. Or I go spend like two hours, three hours in class learning how to code. And then I can go home and, and make like a little calculator or something that might make my life easier. So you got um, any pre- uh, pre- predictive things I can use for stocks or what? <laughs> no, unfortunately not. I wish. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'm not much of a I'm not much of a gambler to be honest. I uh, oh, that's that's where probabilities come in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm not I'm not much of a trader lately. I um, you know, everything's just so exciting and new that I just kind of like buying stuff, holding it for a year or two, and just seeing what happens. That's At this point, seeing things go to zero is sometimes just as exciting as seeing things go you, up so. your, your chemistry in the brain still probably triggers something yeah <laughs> you say something more? oh there's, yeah there's an imbalance there for sure i was gonna ask your opinion on bitcoin and um what do you think the future of it is i know that's kind of a broad question but oh, i guess yeah. to, to narrow it down like do you think it's money? Do you think it's property? Do you think it's just always going to exist? Do you think it's going to lose popularity? What do you think? Oh man, this is going to, this is going to make some people mad. Probably. I got into it with some, with some maxis on Twitter a little bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think, I think Bitcoin is a digital commodity and that's great. Um, we need that. I think it's solved and proved a lot of things for the industry. My view is that the first blockchain, even the second blockchain is not going to be the only blockchain that's ever used. Right. Um, it's kind of silly to think that. Yeah. And that was exactly what I said. Um, like the, and there's, a, there's a lot of things that need a lot of different uses. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like, like Satoshi, right. He could be a God. He could also be a normal person. And my bet is that he was a normal person and he experimented based off of other people's previous experiments and his experiment was successful. Right. And we learned amazing things from that. We learned um, the importance of decentralization. We learned how to build trustless networks. We learned how to incentivize those networks. We learned, um, you know, we learned like, like, the different nuances of technical architecture. So, so to that point, I think Bitcoin is a digital commodity and I think that's great. And I think it's a great store of value. And I think, you know, like, like relating it to gold, it's, you know, people say like, what's the inherent value of Bitcoin versus gold? Well, it's, it's that it's digital, like 82% of digital of of Americans are are making digital payments, right? Like there's what, like 11 to 15% that don't even leave their house with a physical wallet anymore. Um, and the point to that is just the world's becoming increasingly digital, whether it's payments, activities, school, like, like, you know, and, and so we need digital stores of value. We need stores of value that are compatible with the internet and that, that mimic the similar properties as like physical items, which is ownership. So, so to that point, I think, you know, Bitcoin's a, a commodity. I think it's great. I think it will always probably be, you know, one or two in terms of the largest assets. Um, 
But then that said, I think I think it has its limitations, right? Like the, the the UTXO architecture makes it great for moving and tracking coins, but not necessarily like account balances. And so Ethereum was the next innovation off of that. It was cool. We've got this really great chain, decentralization, proof of work, whatever it is, worked really well. But it's missing, you know, um, some um, capabilities here and here and here, right? And so that's what they did. And now Ethereum, you know, proved decentralized network with smart contract architecture, let people build on top of that. But the cost of security and decentralization is expensive. So now we had Solana Avalanche, Near, whatever, right? Phantom, and those all did super well um, because they iterated on that and said, okay, great, we've decentralization, incentivizing decentralization. We figured that out. That's a, that we, we know how to do that. We know it works. Let's focus on the speed and cost, right? So, you know, eventually Solana Avalanche and these guys will, will, will catch up on the decentralization. I just like to say that's a spectrum. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think, I think the ecosystem is going to keep developing. And, and whether it's a layer one, a layer two, whatever we call them, ultimately, I just call them application layers. Um, you know, we'll keep having more based on the use cases. And, and the other thing, too, is there's, what, seven, eight billion people on this earth? We can't have all that traffic on one chain. So it's, it's not only eight billion people, it's, it, it's hundreds of millions of IoT devices and whatever it is, right? It's, uh, applications, so. Um, you, you brought up VC, Jack, and Dreesen talking about uh, kind of decentralization and, and VCs. Did you have a, an opinion on what they were talking about? Yeah, who owns Web3? <laughs> Who's the real owner? I mean... I, I tend to agree that it's not as decentralized as people want it to be. It's, it's uh, Absolutely. Still... I, think, I think... Here's my hot take. I think proof of stake is only in existence because people are sick of talking about the energy debate. Um, because let's be honest here, proof of stake fundamentally incentivizes or favors the wealthy in that system, right? The amount of asset or token you hold directly influences your ability to earn more. Um, and I think people understand that people know it. I just think in large part, we're, we're kind of glossing over that just because it makes it more investable for VCs or for, yeah, or just for users who don't really understand too much. Um, so to that point, VCs do own a lot of Web3. I think I saw someone point out the nuance that like a lot of VCs are funded by pensions and universities and stuff, which is true. Granted, those those LPs don't have a voice in their big, investment big direction. Way. Yeah. But um, also the thing is, though, it's just necessary. It's a necessary evil. Like we need money somewhere. Like like builders need to need to eat. Right. And and. The reality is that most of these guys, you know, can't just fund themselves for two, three years on a whim and spend all their money. And at least it's just, it's just tough to do so. So I think VCs are, VCs are great. I think right now, you know, VCs might've gone a little, little trigger happy with. There's also a lot of ammo to be trigger happy with right now that probably won't be in the future. That too. There's just so much ammo right now that, that everyone's been getting millions and millions of dollars pretty easily. And, um, you know, it was great for the space. I think, I think what we might see happen actually is in the next couple of years now, after all these projects have, have been overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly funded by VCs, is we'll see new projects come and say, all right, we'll sell off 
percent, 30%, 50% of our tokens, just like a set supply. And then to the VCs acknowledging that they do need to fundraise, but then making sure to split the rest of that token supply very evenly or as evenly as they can. Um, I think, however, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll just say, however, that manifests itself. I I think we could see a shift of, of teams focusing on, um, you know, VC funding or allocation of supply to VCs, um, foundation um, funds, the diversification of funds in the foundation, team distribution, right? Like not having the entire team in the US or whatever. Um, I think we'll start seeing a lot of those metrics maybe becoming a factor in, in protocols soon. And that's what I was going to say. I think a lot of people tend to think in extremes of like this or that, where, you know, tops and bottoms of cycles, but you probably see a, you know, a midpoint somewhere of, of firms being like, okay, there's a lot of people wanting certain features and not wanting other features. They want us to do certain things and, and the yeah. firms that will, will kind of bend to the will of, of the market really. Uh, yeah, we'll I think that's like, that's, favorite. that's what would be the differentiator between like the sushi swap and the Uniswap, right? It's the same code base for the most part and same function. Um, but, you know, maybe the qualitative aspects of those protocols are what people like long-term. And you see that with banks, too. There's different yeah. banks that be like doing all the ESG stuff. But they're like, all right, every, banks are banks, but we do like one thing. We plant trees when you buy gas. So if you like that, come to us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, two books you like and two websites you like. Ooh, books. Um... Top two books. Oh, damn, there's, that's tough. There's, I got three. All right, here's two. The Sovereign Individual. Um, that one was recommended to me when I first started at Grayscale by, by the guy who hired me, Phil. Um, probably one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Um, that book was great. Um, it was written in like the 90s, so very forward-looking, but almost spot on with this whole crypto revolution. Um, and then the other book I like is The Third Industrial Revolution, uh, one by Jeremy Rifkin. I think that one's really good kind of talks about how um how like you know the 1600s or whatever was industrialized by steam and and railroads and then we went to cars and coal and now we're at this this inflection point of you know moving on to the next one um you know solar renewables and uh, who knows right so i do think I've, I've seen end of work as well from him which is, yeah uh, yeah he's he's a super smart guy i really like his stuff there's a there's a shorter pod or like TED Talk version of the book too on YouTube somewhere. But um, two websites you would suggest to someone to research crypto or web- or modes of thought really. Yeah, um, and websites to help that thought process. I'm trying to think of some that aren't paywalled. Um, paywall too. Hey, well, I really like Delphi Digital. Delphi, Delphi is probably like top tier research in this space. Um, they're really good. Um, websites, honestly, I got to plug the, the plain text capital website. Um, Phil, that's his new fund. They're, his, they're, they, their blog section, really, really good content, like really good newsletters, really good end of your commentary especially for people that are kind of new in the space, just like curious, like what, what do I, what do I look into? What trends, what even happened? Um, honestly, probably one of the best newsletters out there. Sick. 
Sure. Uh, appreciate your time. I really enjoyed it personally. Same. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me. This was fun. Sorry for the delay. All good. You got a, a, a parting sentence for, for anybody listening? Um, oh, man. A lot of pressure. Um, <laughs> parting, a parting sentence for your past self, perhaps. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Um, you know, I would just say, like, have fun, chase your curiosity, and don't take things too seriously. Sure. Um. You know, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm not necessarily one of these people, but my friend said something really, really, really interesting to me one day. He was like, um, this was like related to investing. Um, he was like, you know, I've been broke before. I don't care if I'm broke again, I can get back here. Right. And I love that mentality. I'm, I'm a little too, little, little, little too risk averse to feel that way. But I, I love that because you got to take risks to go big and you gotta, you gotta take, you know, leap of faith and, um, I think that's just a great mentality to have in life, right? Like go big or go home and you fail. That's okay. So wonderful. Matt Maxima, where can they find you? If you want to be found, uh, Twitter, Matt Maxima one pretty, pretty simple. I got a little penguin penguin. I, uh, profile pic. So <laughs> that's me. awesome. Awesome, sir. Appreciate it again. Yeah. Thanks guys. It's good. It was good talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good one. You too.